Hello. Hi, Maria. How are you? I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. I just talked to Keith. He said that they're just running a little late. Okay. Well, they'll be here soon. <laughs> that was nice last night where it was just prayers. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did a lot of Psalms and we did a pre-sanctified and then Brian added in some Vespers. I thought was really nice. But we had to basically cut out all the priest parts <laughs> because there's no priest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Friday at St. George. That'll be fun. You know, there was hardly anybody at our church last Friday. I mean, a handful of people. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah, there weren't that many people. It's because usually we have the pan-Orthodox thing, but because... Um, I don't know why there was a reason we couldn't join them that one Friday. So I don't know either. I thought yeah. for sure we were going to do something like that. Oh, well. But we will this Friday and next Friday. So right. This is St. George this Friday and St. Nicholas Friday. So those are always really nice. The one at, yeah. Yeah, it's been nice. So, um. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lovely service. <laughs> you know where we are in the reading? We left off chapter nine. Which which book are we in? Matthew. And uh, I've got verse 18 we read. Mm -hmm. So we should have 27. So Matthew 27, 927. 927. Good. Okay. Nine. I have um I lost my tripod for my phone. So Matthew 9. 27. I lost my book. I have the 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 commentary by Blessed Theophilac, and I can't find Matthew anywhere. So if it walked away language so yes i believe we are chapter 9 verse 27 and i try to periodically remind us all to think about what we're doing here <laughs> what is the purpose of the gospel of matthew it's who Jesus is and all about grace. Good. Those are the themes. That's the contents. The genealogy. The fulfillment of the Old Testament. So there's some content there. What's the purpose? What's the aim? To, teach, give you a clue. Us to teach us how to live. There we go. Thank you, Connie. Good job, we just, Connie. <laughs> we just heard it in the in the prayer. We read the scriptures to tell us how to live. And I keep reminding us because it's it's a story, it's a narrative, and we're used to reading narrative as entertainment or as you know escape. This is this is narrative as instruction not as philosophy, not as um, history, 
all those things might be in there, but this is this is instruction on how to live. So we got to keep that in mind. Otherwise, we're going to fall into the trap of misunderstanding and getting the wrong thing out of it. So that being said, let us dive back into Matthew. Who would read for us, please, verses 27 through 34? I can read. Thank you. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought him, they brought to him a man, mute and demon possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And then multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. Okay. We had a, a conversation. I try to remember what content was. But the question I'd asked you was who's the who is the main character? What was that about? Yes. Okay. Anybody remember that conversation a little bit? Mm -hmm. Who's the main character in that little episode and why because mm -hmm. our assumption is that jesus is always going to be the main character because we said the gospel is about him who's the main character or characters in this after jesus would be the two blind men so yeah, our assumption is that Jesus is still the main character, but that's what we talked about last time. I don't think you were on yet, Christina. This is a few months ago, probably. Um, if you look at how the story flows, Jesus is not going to accept the role of main character. Right? If he was the main character, they would follow him. They'd say, have mercy on us. And he would keep the attention on him and do something, right? But if you look at 28, and I think 28 is sort of the pivotal verse here. Um, he turns it back on them. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Mm. And they said, yes, Lord. And then he says, again, sort of doubling down on this, according to your faith, be it done to you. So who's the main character or characters? <laughs> them the yeah men. the faith of the two blind men yeah the blind men and their faith is really sort of what makes them the, that's the central action going on is are they going to have the faith jesus poses the first as a question and then as a statement in other words 
he doesn't say be healed. Because according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. Why, why is that significant in terms of why we're reading this book? Because we, uh, because we have to actually, go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I say we have to reach up to God and actually like uh, be part of the synergy, like to, the synergia, the, the, we have to work at it. There's a better way to saying that, but we have to work at it too. Like it's not just all God, it's us too. In him and our it's news, their, it's the action, is it's their faith that is yep. the healing them. He didn't have to say a word. Remember mm -hmm. in your sermon, Father, you said you have to believe first to be healed. Okay, right. So yeah, so if we if we're reading Matthew as instruction on how to live, and specifically in this context, how to have or how what to have faith and how to have it and who to have it in. Um, that's that's the takeaway. We want we want to miss the takeaway. It's not just oh look at Jesus. What can he do? It's here's what he can do if people have faith in him. And the fact that he's going to go on to say, see that no one knows it. It's even more real. There's lots of reasons we talked about that before. But one of the reasons is he doesn't want himself to be the main character. He's going to keep pushing back on the people who he approaches and saying. If you have faith, then I will be significant to you. But it's their decision. He's always going to be pushing back on them to have the freedom to choose that. But they approached him. Yeah. Correct. They followed him. And his only question to them is, do you believe that I'm able to do this? But he already knew. Right? Knew what? That they had the faith. I mean, he, he yeah. asked them, but he knew it. Yeah. So why is he asking? He's asking so we can learn by their example then uh, we need that faith that mm -hmm. deep faith and deeper faith right and even before we gets to us they need to know that their faith is operative here they need to know that their faith is going to be very determined of what's going to happen it's not just can jesus do this but they knew they had to have known or they wouldn't ask we found out yeah we didn't know when we when we first met them <laughs> They believed. Yeah. I mean, they had, they trusted that he could. Right. And, and then, and then he can't. Yeah. And that he would. There you go. Yeah. One is the same, it's the same word. Believe and faith here are the same word, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the Greek. So there, do you faith that I am able to heal? Right. You? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, because of that faith, you know, mm -hmm. um, according to your faith, let it be to you. I, I, I think it's really interesting. It doesn't say, do you believe that I will do this? Mm -hmm. yeah. well, Are you able to? And so this, this now everybody's kind of from different backgrounds, but I've, I've been in places where, uh, you know, a text like this is massively misused in kind of faith healing context. Okay. You know, like if you have enough faith, God will heal you. Right. And and trying to think about faith is like this like internal thing. I I just like <laughs> you know, um, then then I'll I'll force God's hand. Mm -hmm. And I and I I've been in places where that's where everybody will go. Now we're not saying if you don't get healed, you don't have faith. Mm -hmm. 
but if you have enough faith, you'll get healed. I'm like, wait, that's yeah, that's not what it says. That's just that's the, you just said the same. You just you just said the same thing, just a different way. Like, and so it's it's not that their faith is like guaranteeing that Jesus is going to act in this particular way in this particular moment because he he doesn't say. Do you believe that I will right. heal you in this moment? Mm -hmm. He says, Do you believe? Do you faith? Mm -hmm. Are you faithing yeah, exactly <laughs> that I am able to do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what that's what the faith is like. God is able to heal me if he wills. Mm -hmm. He may, he may not. It and may what's be. what do you think is the difference between believing God can do something versus will do something? I think that it's there's there's probably a few things, but one it put it it puts that it puts that on us rather than it's God's prerogative and God's timing. Puts what on us? It puts the um, like I'm going to move God's hand if I can just work up a requisite amount mm -hmm. of this thing <laughs> we call faith. It's mm -hmm. probably just an emotional <laughs> you know mm -hmm. state, and like I'm gonna if I if I do that I'm gonna meet somehow like this faith standard that God's going to require and then God will do it mm -hmm. versus I'm going to trust. Well, like, like mm -hmm. you said, I'm going to trust, I'm going to mm -hmm. faith that God's able to mm -hmm. in, in whatever his kind of timing and plan is, yep. he's got the ability to do it. And yep. so it's like, I need to be open and receptive to that mm -hmm. versus I need to kind of like build it up enough. And then like, that that's God just waiting for me to do that. Yep. And then, and then he'll dispense my, my, you know, faith. Let me reward. say that. I think, yeah, <laughs> let me Sorry, say it in, in a different way. You tell me if it's actually different. There are three people slash things that these men could have faith in, trust mm -hmm. in, believe in mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. The, meaning they have enough faith in him. Mm -hmm. The healing, mm -hmm. that if they have enough faith, then he's going to heal, mm -hmm. that he will heal. Mm -hmm. Or Jesus, that he can do it, and they're trusting him that he can do it, and therefore whether he does do it is secondary. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. To me, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay, can I just throw something in here? To yeah. me, faith means knowing God can do it and still having faith, even if he doesn't. Right. Like, Cause the faith is where it's in me. I, I have the faith, whether he healed my husband or not. And I didn't lose my faith when my husband died because God knows the plan. I don't. And yes. so to me, my faith is stronger because of that, because I mean, I, we prayed and prayed and prayed, but it didn't happen. But that doesn't mean that God said, ah, for heck to heck with you. Right. Because you put your faith in God, not in God's uh, guaranteeing the healing. Right. Yeah. And so what, what I'm trying to get at, which Scott said, I want to make sure we all get it. What's at stake here is, is, is in whom do we trust? Mm -hmm. Do we trust ourselves and say, well, if I only get enough faith, then God's going to do it because 
I'm the one that this is really about? Or is it about the thing that I want? So if I have the faith and that he'll, he'll have to do it because I need that thing, healing, whatever it is. Or is it trust in Jesus to say you're in charge? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have enough faith. I don't know. I know you can do it, whether you will do it. That's secondary to me. I'm going to trust you. Um, we did a, a trust fall at camp. I don't know if this was last year or before, where I'm standing on a table about as high as this table. And I got all these squirrely little teenagers <laughs> who are lined up. And I got my back to them. They're on the ground, lined up with their hands like this. And I'm going to fall back and they're going to catch me, theoretically. <laughs> so we had a little discussion on trust. And I said to them, I'm hoping you catch me. <laughs> but I'm trusting in you and whatever you do, I'm going to accept, but I'm really hoping you can catch me. Mm-hmm. And they caught me. Okay. Had they not caught me, would that have by this, by definition, by necessity, removed my trust in them? No, no. because it just, it, it just, they couldn't. Do it. They did. They were too weak to do it, but that doesn't mean that the, the trust was any less. But I could have. You could have. I could have said, "Okay, I trusted not you. I trusted you catching me, and they didn't catch me. Now the trust is gone." So what Matthew is 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 letting us understand here is it's really going to be up to us to have faith in Jesus, not in anything Jesus particularly does or doesn't do that we want. Do we trust him? And then he's going to tell us that the thing, at least he's blind asking for, it was their trust in him, his ability, not his willingness, his ability, that eventually brings them the healing. Well, I was just going to say, when, when horrible things happen, like I don't know her name, but she was just talking about her husband. Connie. Connie. Hi, Connie. I'm Linda. Hi, Linda. Um, Hi, nice to meet you. Um, when you're talking about you prayed and prayed for your husband to be healed and and but yet he died, but that didn't affect your faith. But I think when things like that happen, and and, and in my own personal experience, it, it's not that you have less faith, but that faith is often tested. Mm-hmm. And and that's my struggle a lot. And I need to find those ways to be like the two blind men. Mm-hmm. And they just said, yeah, we believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. They knew it. He knew it. Mm-hmm. And I do know that. But I do struggle. Yeah. I think we all do. I think we all oh, struggle sure. with putting the faith in ourselves, putting the faith in what we need God to do. And therefore, he better do for us. You know? say it that way but no. that's the attitude I, mean, I would never dare say you better we wouldn't say that. it out loud but when we trust him and say i want this from you and then we need that thing we've moved the faith mm-hmm. off of him to that thing and especially mm-hmm. for the healing somebody that you love and, and you're not getting it and mm-hmm. and then it ends with somebody's death mm-hmm. it's hard it's very hard and that's why when we were when we were studying revelation remember we said antichrist is not opposite it wasn't like, okay, God is the seven and the, the devil is the negative seven. Mm-hmm. God's the seven, seven, seven. The devil's the six, 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 because it looks very close and we could miss it if we're not careful. 
And a lot of us miss it in terms of our faith saying, okay, well, God, if you do this, then I'm going to have my faith in you. And if you don't, I don't know. And we're all there. We all have those moments. Matthew is going to say to us, close isn't close enough. Close enough isn't close enough. You got to move it all into Jesus or not. It's up to you. But if you do, then you're going to get exactly what God wants for you. And it's really... Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just, it's really hurtful when, when you hear people say that, um, they're implying that, oh, well, my husband died because I, my faith wasn't strong enough and it had nothing to do with me (laughs) and it had nothing to do with him. And, and it, it, to me, that's a very hurtful statement because I don't believe my faith wasn't strong enough. I believe that that wasn't the plan and you know i have to accept that like god does things that maybe we don't understand but he's still there for us so and that's your faith that's exactly mm-hmm. what faith is faith says i don't know but he does i trust him to know i'm not going to be the one to know he's not, and that is the definition of faith Everyone's going to die eventually. Absolutely. Okay. Which is why I was about to say, so it's a good, good intro. What is this whole Lenten season about? It's to say that no matter what we deal with in life, the resurrection is the ultimate victory. We might, we might want preliminary victories. If we're talking uh, uh, a basketball game, you might want to be ahead at the first quarter at the half or the third quarter and that's nice what you really care about is who wins the game mm-hmm. what's the final score and that's what the resurrection is it is saying that no matter what happens beforehand christ wins that final and ultimately the only important battle and so if we put our trust in for that then you know what if we don't get the healings one along the way or whatever else went along with that's okay. It's not going to shake us because ultimately we're trusting him or not to be that conqueror of death for us. That's, that's the ultimate aim of our faith. The weightier, the weightier matter. The two yeah. blind men still die. Right. Even though they get healed. Even Lazarus. <laughs> even Lazarus who gets a kind of like preview, yeah. <laughs> you know, he gets a, uh... It's the uh, overtime. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So he's still, it's not saying that death isn't hard or, or horrible. Jesus weeps at it. But then he conquers it. I think that's an important point you made, Father, that who who are you having faith in? It's it's faith in Christ versus almost having like faith in your own faith. Yes. Which is weird. That's what Connie's saying. It's weird. It's cruel. It's well, yeah. People say like, "Oh, geez, I didn't have any more faith because then this would have happened." I know. Like that punishes us. Yeah, a lot of people feel that we're not having enough faith, or yeah. Well, if I I only had more faith, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty destructive. For some people, it's part of the journey, so they can discover that. Hopefully, hopefully, and again, what Matthew's going to do, it's going to show us, he's going to show us, this is really 
how you should live. And you're going to learn that by learning who Jesus is and how he interacts with everybody. Remember, these are all the interactions of Jesus that we're already seeing. And by the end of the section, I'll skip ahead to um, 33 and 34. Talk about two different reactions. Mm -hmm. This is this is after the the whole two blind men, then the uh, the man who couldn't speak and had the demons. When the demon had been cast out, we we don't even hear about it. All right, <laughs> behold, a, a demon possessed man who could speak was brought to him. We don't hear about a healing. And when the demon had been cast out, <laughs> so in other words, that's not the main event. Okay. When did you have a castle? The dumb man spoke, and the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this in Israel. That's reaction one. They marveled. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. So, already you're seeing how the reactions is one of the main highlights that Matthew is going to keep showing us is there's, there's two ways to react to this. So before you say don't say anything in 31, mm -hmm. 30 or 30, and then if you go ahead, then he says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the community and healing every sickness and every disease among people. Mm -hmm. Now he's ready to let himself be more known. What is that? Uh, 35, I want to tell you. Okay. <laughs> before uh, he's telling him, don't say anything. So, yeah. So now it takes And then they do it though. And then they always do. <laughs> but now he's now he's expanding his ministry more. Mm -hmm. But he's not necessarily saying go and tell everybody. No, but 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 why the change now? Why what 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 where's the difference in what he I guess we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. I know you're always ahead. Well it's 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 a kind of general principle that Jesus Jesus is tr is is endeavoring to set the tone and the agenda of his ministry mm -hmm. and not other because because clearly there's all sorts of different tones and agendas at work here <laughs> from so many yeah. different people yeah. and so trying to do I I just think it's funny at the at the beginning of this I, I a, a good exercise is always kind of imagine like the locations and where, where everybody's the movements and everything like that. So it's like, you know, these two blind, so Jesus departs, you know, he departs the house where he's just raised, raised the groom. And you have these two blind men kind of following him, <laughs> yelling at him, yeah. <laughs> you know, sort of it. And when he had come to the house, the blind men also now <laughs> kind of come into the house. And so they followed him from the streets into the house and are mm -hmm. continuing to pursue pursue jesus in their blindness so so saint john chrysostom agrees with you oh okay nice. and he says Always thank you for the stuff. segue yes <laughs> and he says for what purpose did it happen that while they were crying out he delays and questions them further here again jesus is teaching us utterly to resist the glory that comes from the crowd hmm. there was a house nearby he led them into the house to heal them there in private hmm. then he charged them to tell no one mm -hmm. So you're right. We're going to see in just a few verses, he's going to keep doing more and more and the news is going to spread. But it wasn't as if his goal was to let everybody see like this guy will give you everything you need. So he's going to push back against that as the misunderstanding of why he's come. But he knows they're still going to conclude that. And the crowds are always ambiguous. 
like in the gospels in a lot of ways, you know, and that sometimes it's like, yeah, they, they're getting it. And then sometimes crucify them. And then, <laughs> and then the, there's, we tend to kind of go, oh, there's a crowd. Good. A lot of people means good. Right. Versus it's not quite so straightforward as that. Yeah. And that's why sometimes I think you see him closes the door and goes in there with just a couple of the disciples. He takes the person aside by himself, goes up on the mountain with his, you know, yeah. interest. Yeah. Someday we'll do, have to do a study on who, which characters in the story of the Bible make it through the story without doing really stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't many. Um, well, yeah. you're saying you wouldn't. I've said the ones in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> there aren't many, and and Scott's bringing up a point. Even the crowds that you okay, well, the crowds because here the crowds are put in a very positive light. The crowds are saying they're marveling, but the Pharisees are are doubting, right, mm -hmm. or even accusing things of awful things. Even the crowd is going to get condemned. Nearly everybody, by the time the story is over, nearly everybody will have done something stupid and wrong and. And we're going to see, especially with, with the disciples, as we get closer and closer to the passion, uh, you know, all the way through. And you're, you're, we've heard this a thousand times. We're like, okay, surely this time <laughs> Peter's not going to pull the sword out. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He's learned because we heard over and over. He's learned. No, no, there is the sword. Just get it, man. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm going to share another quote. This is from St. John Chrysostom on this idea of tell no one. This command to silence is itself no light charge against the religious leadership. The eyes of these two men had been ruined. Then they received faith by hearing alone. They themselves could now see this miracle. Ironically, however, having now sight to witness to what was happening, they were commanded to say nothing. You can hear the earnestness in their loud cries, and their pleading simply for mercy and in their supplications. So they called him son of David because that name was above all thought to be honorable. The name that the prophets called those whom they wished most to commend and declare great. So it's, again, it's, it's all about no one's going to get a chance to say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know he wasn't just a great healer. I thought it was all about him and, and the miracles that he could do. By the end, everyone's going to have really in a sense, no excuse to say I was presented a, a person and an opportunity, and did I take it or not? Any other thoughts on that section? All right. Let's keep moving then. Let's uh, look at verses 35 through 38. And Linda, since you took us to 35, how about you read for us? Really loud. Nice and loud. 35 to 38. 35 to 38, yes. I can see it. But when he saw from, oh, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Ooh. Ooh. 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. I, like, I like that. You share ooh. <laughs> well, he's he's okay. Now he's he's instructing them, mm -hmm. the disciples, to get busy. Mm -hmm. And because he's saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he's got to get the sheep back together. Mm -hmm. And he's and not going to do it himself. No, they're weary and scattered, so it's mm -hmm. time to call in the herd. I guess. Yeah. Sheep's hurt. Sheep hurt. That's okay, right. Um, have we talked about what a gospel is? I don't remember. What do you remember about what the word means, gospel? Hmm? Good, good news? So good news, but how is it used specifically? It's sort of like a technical term. Scott probably knows this. Yeah. Usually, um, usually when when the Romans liberated an area, <laughs> they were coming, we bring you good news of Caesar's victory. Uh, here's your new tax requirement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the it's the generally like a pronouncement of a victory or glad tidings, you know, is an old an older English way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, we're watching all these horrible things happening over in Ukraine and it's terrible. Um, Part of why we react the way we do is that we live in a time of relative peace. Mm -hmm. um, you think about what goes on in the news and there's a lot of talk about economics and politics and war and all these other things. You know, in, in most of human history, it really was, the news was typically not if, but with whom are we at war? <laughs> Where are the battles being waged? Where is which empire is, is pushing their boundaries where? Um, and so news was really about battles. It wasn't like they didn't have the information that we have. They didn't have the developed systems of understanding and analysis. So basically news was who won which battle and where. Okay. And so if that's, if news is about war, then the good news is which battle was won. And like Scott is saying, it's, it's about telling people either in that area or about a certain area that this now this victory happened. But typically it's for that area, all right? You're not mm -hmm. going to go and, and send a, an Evangelion, a good news, to somebody in Spain about something that's happening over in Italy. It's like, good news, this is what's happened to you now. And the reason I'm bringing that up is when we hear that he was teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what he's telling them is there is this good news. This gospel is not just generic good news. It's good news about a victory, about the spread of a certain body, an empire, a kingdom, whatever. Um, and that has come to their area. So it's not just generic good news. We think of God's, okay, any good news, like it's, it's, it's not going to be snowing tomorrow or, you know, the economy is taking a turn and gas prices are driving. It's, it's you now are within the realm of this victorious kingdom. So with that in mind, think about he's going through all the cities and villages, teaching the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity. That's the context of this idea of preaching the gospel. The, the victory has now come to their area. But take that 
sentence because this is this verse 35 follows 34 and all that we just read. What is this kingdom? And don't guess and don't think about what you learned a year ago or a week ago. Think about what you learned a few minutes ago. According to Matthew, what is the kingdom that there's good news being preached to them? Jesus going through and like thanks a lot for everybody. Else. Would it be Jesus going through and like curing everybody like of sickness and driving out the demons and so like all these terrible afflictions are now gone from your community? Well, yes, sort of. And and turn the page back. Go back to or just go up a little bit. Go back to twenty seven and thirty four. Based on that, I mean, we could go more, we could go back to the entire book, but let's just look at the immediate context. What is this kingdom? What, what is this good news about this kingdom? Who's the king? How do you enter it? How is it part of you? How is it brought to you? Son of David. Jesus so son of David, okay. What's that? Jesus is conquering these things. Yeah, and how is he doing it? Through our faith. Right. This is a kingdom of faith. In other words, it's not as opposed to, Scott used the example of the Romans, we're now in charge, therefore here's, here's the tax code. Jesus is going to go around one by one saying, here's an opportunity for you, here's an option for you. And we see back in 33 and 34 that it's optional. Are they going to receive it? Are they not going to receive it? If they're going to receive it, how are they going to receive it? So take everything said about that, that discussion about who is, uh, who's the main character, what, how do we connect to this Jesus, and bring that forward. Because again, the, 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 the scripture wasn't written with a hard wall between 34 and 35. It keeps going. Even starts with the word and. Look at that in 35. Do all yours start with and? Yeah. Okay, mine, oh, mine is then. Yeah. Then let's see what it is. Uh, <laughs> all right, I would, my suspicion was correct. <laughs> the word is gay. <laughs> Greeks, what's gay? And. And. Yeah. Mean gay, i.e., now and ever. So it's a connection, right? And is a connection. This and that, remember? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> this and that. Be you didn't watch Conjunction, Junction? <gasps> oh, Schoolhouse Rock. That's right. I think they would have played it during Street. And they're all on YouTube now. Conjunction, Junction. I like it. They're all your there were songs, cartoons about grammar. Good. Everybody go home and, and Google on YouTube, look on YouTube for conjunction junction. This <laughs> and that. What was it called? Electric station? Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. That's it. And nobody writes them and speaks like they did watch it. I know. We, we, we got to bring it out. We got to bring it out again. We all learned better. That's how I learned my multiplication tables. Oh. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. And in other words, thirty-five is connected to thirty-four. Even the and wasn't there. We'd know it because it follows it. But even more so. Um, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, this kingdom, which we're going to hear more and more about, we've heard some about, we're going to keep hearing more about it. It is this thing that Jesus keeps showing up, offering an opportunity, or people are coming to him with understanding what that what that is, and they're acting appropriately. So, or not. Father, would you say it's right to say he's offering the opportunity for them to see the reality of this thing rather than like them saying yes to it is it making the victory happening the victory the victory is happening right christ is it, and it's funny enough in this kind of area we see him victory over death mm -hmm. you know with the res resurrection disease mm -hmm. um demons you know the demonic powers that are oppressing everybody um, sin sin the forgiveness of sins like mm -hmm. all, all of that's happening yep um and, and so it's it, the announcement is like, hey, there is this victory we want to tell you about. <laughs> mm -hmm. And people can go, that's awesome. Have you heard the good news of this new victory? And they kind of recognize that reality versus some people who go, no, that's fake news. It's actually, it's actually demons. <laughs> like it's actually right. really bad. It doesn't change the, it doesn't change the victory. The victory doesn't happen or not happen based on people's right. So what changes? It, it changes their, they live in a state of like denial of how things, of how things actually are. Eyes open. Yeah. You either shut your eyes. Okay. And if they see it, does that mean the kingdom has come to them? Yes. In a, isn't, can, yeah. Forgive me, but isn't kingdom paradise? Isn't he speaking about the true kingdom? I, we, we, all we know is, is what Matthew is telling us. So in, in, what was it, 30, uh, 27 to 34, there's something, and everything before that, you could just, for the immediate context, there is something he has been doing that he's now going to do even more. Now he's going to all the cities and villages. Now that reality, he's telling them it's now here, yeah. right? He's going to town to town saying it's here. And this is where I would say where many evangelical Protestants go wrong because the gospel has now been preached mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And Scott is right. The victory was already won. What makes that victory theirs? Is it just believing going, oh, that's true. I believe in this certain thing that he's done. I believe that that happened. Yeah. Say more about that. Yeah. Nice and loud because of speakers over there. Preach it. They have, they have to <laughs> yeah, go ahead. believe it. I mean, intellectually, but they also have to live like they believe it. They have to act out in that belief mm -hmm. how and, that your life would change because of that belief. Okay. And let's just use the blind man as the most recent example. What, what was that for them? How did they enter the kingdom? Again? Yeah, and then what? And then he cured them, but then they didn't. They told everybody they they are living their life like like they should now because their faith healed them, and people would see that example, and maybe that would click with them. They acted as if Jesus was the king. Is that mm -hmm. much better than? <laughs> You teed me up. Yep. 
that's that's the difference. And they, they didn't just believe like, okay, well, I heard there was a change in government and this, it's not believing that it happened. That's where a lot of us define faith is, I believe that this happened. Mm -hmm. That's not faith. That's yeah. the beginning that starts you on the journey. But ultimately, you're going to have to decide, is that real for you? And real for you doesn't say, oh, yeah, I believe it happened. Yes, I believe he was born in Bethlehem and died in Jerusalem. Yeah, that's 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 what you believe. But taking that set of truths and saying, because of that, I trust this guy for what? For everything. That's what the, this gospel of the kingdom is going to be. It's not just saying, do you believe that I'm the Messiah? Because over and over again, he's not just going to ask them, and say what you believe about him it's going to be okay then now what if that's if that's what you believe okay but now what the demons believe he's the messiah right it's no big deal yep <laughs> right. yeah. they have the true teaching yeah they've accepted <laughs> right. the four laws or whatever they they right. get the they accept the 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 facts right who who's which church father is like demons fast like it's <laughs> yeah. there's no credit and just Fasting for fasting. So don't demons sleep. don't need anything. They're always working. <laughs> Mother Gabriella, she said, you know, so you think you're fasting so great. Well, the demons, they never eat. So yeah. you think you're doing well by praying at night. Well, the demons, they never sleep. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I it, it, it's one of those, I think, important things here, you know, Father, that as you say, the ki the kingdom is not kind of what what sometimes in, it some folks in the west have kind of thought about as like heaven like off and a place we kind of like go to mm -hmm. no the the kingdom is that um god's creation has been marred and enslaved by all these things we've been talking about sin death demonic power satan and the kingdom the good news is about hey god's shown up <laughs> in Christ and is taking it back mm -hmm. like this is mine now mm -hmm. there's a there's a, a good New Testament scholar uh, one of his one of his books is really great and he could um, the good gospels are about God becoming king you know in that that's that's what it is it's like God is showing and you see that here it goes out to all the sheep what is one of the things that the son of David is supposed to do when God shows up in the prophets what's he do he gathers his people. He gathers the lost sheep um, of Israel and then even beyond right. the nations. Yeah. So it's a very like, it's on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the, the kingdom is, is here on earth. <laughs> God's reigning on the earth. Not a kind of like, he's going to take us away to somewhere that and just kind of leave the world to destruction or the devil yeah. or something like that i think my is my opinion in all the scriptures the most um ignored reality mm -hmm. that would really sort of affect how we see ourselves god the whole world is in revelation when nobody goes to heaven mm -mm. Mm -mm. heaven comes, comes here <laughs> yeah the new jerusalem descends mm -hmm. The kingdom comes because that's what we've been praying for. That kingdom come, mm -hmm. um, and it really does flip a lot of our, I would say, sort of uninformed and unexamined ideas. Well, if we just do, if we're good enough, then we'll end up there. 
Yeah. Well, that if I'm good enough, that's faith in myself, right? If I have just if I have enough faith, then then I'll be over, and God gets cut out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I say over and over again in confession is, okay, you're you're repenting and you want to do the right thing, but you keep talking about you. Mm-hmm. Where is God in the mix? Mm-hmm. How is the presence and the reality of, of Jesus Christ going to now be included in your effort, which is the right effort, but sometimes we do it for the wrong reasons. I got to be good enough because judgment day is coming and I got to be good enough so that I can get there. And the only person I didn't mention in that whole thing was God. Mm-hmm. So faith in God is the kingdom, trusting in him, making him the king, whether anybody else sees it or not. Which is why the, the crucifixion is going to be the ultimate act of irony. Is it's mm-hmm. he's going to reign mm-hmm. as clearly as he ever will from the cross, mm-hmm. lifted on high, crown on his head, having worn a, a, a scarlet robe. That's as good as it's going to get to say, yeah, that's the king I want. Mm-hmm. So is there? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that part in Revelation. But if the, if the kingdom is coming here, here you're talking about here on the earth. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then do our loved ones come back here? Well, they're raised before we are. If we're still alive, then he comes back. But then mm-hmm. they would come back too. How do you find them? That I couldn't explain. Probably, <laughs> probably Google Maps. Well, seriously. Yeah, because Bishop Anthony always says you'll be able to find your loved ones. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they got to come to them. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody gets resurrected. Right. Everybody. And that and that's a, and that's a body thing. That's not a kind right. of floating. Every, you know, so the, our bodies are literally made of earth. <laughs> so, and Paul says in Romans, you know, the whole creation groans for the redemption. Mm-hmm. So... I had a professor once provocatively always say, you know, Jesus died for cows. <laughs> you know, and I mean, that that's actually true because I mean, Jesus does die for the whole of God's creation. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's about a redemption of this world and that heaven comes down and, and Edenizes the world, like heavenizes the world. You all miss them. We just want to be there. Eternity to find them. You won't take that long. Yeah. (laughs) You find them in the beginning. And then you have eternity to just come here. Well, how would would, 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 would you find them without a body? Right. But he says, okay, I remember Sladna saying that too. The body and the soul come together together. and you will find them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the algorithm. <laughs> okay, so um, let's have this section really quick. See, sees the crowds. He has compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said, The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We'll see where this is going to go straight into the next section. We can't do that this week. It makes more sense if you go, just pick, <laughs> flip the page or keep going down to verse 1 in chapter 10, and you'll see the connection. So we know where he's, where he's going with this. Um, 
But look at that in terms of a movement. He's the one going through all the cities and, and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, healing all the diseases. Looking at the crowds, he has compassion. And then what's his solution to that problem? It looks like if, 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 if the gospel stopped at 36, and we didn't have a verse 37 and everything afterwards, the image would be he has compassion because there has to help him. And now he goes to even more towns and villages and more synagogues, him, 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 him. But there's this unexpected thing. To me, it's unexpected. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful labor. If you pray, therefore, the Lord harvest sent out labors into his harvest. He is not going to be the one and only one to be doing this. Mm -hmm. We do a quick couple quotes and then we'll head out. Um, this is on the whole sheep without a shepherd. No instigator had stirred up the crowds. They were not harassed and helpless because of some mishap or disturbance. So why is Jesus so moved with compassion for these people? Clearly the Lord has pity on these people beheld in the sway of an unclean spirit and burdened by the law because no shepherd was able to restore to them the guardianship of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of this gift was indeed potentially abundant, but not yet harvested by anyone. The bounty of the Spirit overwhelms the multitude of those who take hold of it. For no matter how much of it is gathered by everyone, it abounds in fruitfulness. And because it is good to have many people through whom he is served, he orders his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth as many laborers as possible into the harvest. He prays that God may bestow an abundance of reapers to take hold of what the gift of the Holy Spirit was preparing. Through prayer and exhortation, God pours out this gift upon us. One more is from St. John Chrysostom. He shows how great the gift is when he says, ask from the Lord of the harvest. And in an inconspicuous manner, Jesus indicates that he himself is the one who holds this authority. Then to signify how promising is the harvest, Jesus calls them to, quote, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. In doing so, he indirectly declares this lordship to be his own prerogative. For after having said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, when they had not made any request or prayer, he himself at once appoints them, reminding them also the sayings of John about the threshing floor, and we'll get to that in the next chapter. Um, about the threshing floor, the separation, the husks and the kernels of grain, the husks that are left over, and of the one who is winnowing. From this, it is clear that he himself is the farmer. He himself mm -hmm. is the Lord of the harvest. He himself is the master of the prophets. For if he send them to gather the harvest, it is clear that they do not harvest what belongs to someone else. Instead, they harvest the things that he sowed through the prophets. In calling their ministry a harvest, he was encouraging them, but also empowering them to this ministry. So it's a good sort of setup for next week because this is where, again, we Orthodox hear this from a different context because of what we would say is the fullness of the faith. If you reason this, reason this as an individual and you think this is all about me and Jesus, you're going to miss 
the fullness of what the uh, what's being communicated. And we'll see where where he takes this in chapter ten. I think that's a, just a super important point, Father, from St. Christopher the Net. We're not sowing. You know, like the ministers of the church aren't sowing. Who's doing the sowing? You know, because I think sometimes I can give a certain, I mean, you, you're you going to know this better than anybody sitting, like a certain level of, of like anxiety of like, <laughs> we've got such great news about the kingdom and just won't people listen. And it's going to just, you know, do infinitely more than we can imagine. Um, but it's also no, well, it's not up to us to actually sow. It's just up to yep. us to harvest. Yep. Christ is already through his spirit out there already exactly. doing the sowing. And it's plentiful. <laughs> and I'll tell you this as a priest whose vocation is to extend the ministry of Christ, who his, whose job is to reflect the image of Christ, we could really make the mistake, if we're not careful, of making the distinction between who is the Lord of the harvest mm -hmm. and who are the laborers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we try to be good priests, we're really clear to say, yes, we reflect him. Yes. We want to extend his ministry, but we're not him. And you look at the movement. It's, it's Jesus telling the disciples, you pray that more would come out and be sent out to the field. Mm -hmm. And he's about to even start with them, but even they're not going to be enough. Yeah. He's already let that out of the bag that you 12, you better pray because there's a big harvest and we're gonna need a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Have Father. a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you everyone. Got it. Take care. Bye, Charlie. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you very much. Bye, Charlie. Bye. Bye.